Hey guys, this is Jonathan Henderson with Pressure Washing Marketing Pros. I'm here with Dave Carroll of Dope Marketing. How you doing, man? What up? What up, guys? <laughs> so yeah, man, it's been a long time. I know you've been traveling. You, I know, yeah, you were at JC Heights. Um, you were at his convention like that. I know you've been running your marathons as well, man. How's life been? Dude, I'm just blessed, Jonathan. We got uh we got uh baby number five on the way in yeah. the Carroll household. <laughs> um uh Dude, just just trying to just trying to trying to get after it. We talked about this a lot before the call, man. I have uh I have uh been putting a little bit more attention on Lion Share Maintenance, my exterior cleaning and Christmas light business. Uh dope marketing is moving into into a new building in January at the beginning of Q1. So I'm ecstatic about that. Our uh, production facility is growing dramatically. We are so just humbled and in a great spot with where that company is going. Um overall, man, just just very very thankful for uh for the blessings we've been receiving lately, for sure. No, 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 man. That's awesome. And so for the people that have been living under a rock who don't know who you are, the pressure washing industry, the home improvement industry, whatever it may be. So I know you mentioned Lion Share Maintenance. I know you mentioned Dope Marketing. What are those companies? I know you said Lion Share Maintenance Exterior. <clears throat> But for those of for those people that don't know who you are, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so my uh, my background, um, I started a uh, window cleaning, power washing, gutter cleaning, Christmas light business here in the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Shit, we're going on our thirteenth year. It's nuts. Um, we started doing. We got to seven figures in. It was going into our seventh year. I have been phased out for the past six years. So I don't know, like the names of the jobs, the employees I help, we actually hire, we, we help companies help us with our marketing. Now I, I do our direct mail stuff and our, uh, our data stuff. But as far as like the, the daily operations, we hired, uh, my brother-in-law is our, uh, our field manager. And then we have Lori, who is our operations manager, GM, um, usually have five to seven trucks in the field. Um, I think this year we'll do, I don't know, under 2 million. Um, but we're pretty seasonal here in the twin cities. We only have like seven and a half, eight months out of the year, um, that we're out washing and stuff. We added Christmas lights about six years ago. One of the best decisions we ever made for that company. We're in a very aggressive markets for the holiday lighting stuff. Um, so, so my, my, my cleaning company was the first business I ever started. I will always, that's my baby. You know, I always have like a soft spot in my heart for not only um, like that company, but the pressure washing industry in general, exterior cleaning. You know, this is where I, where I cut my teeth. This is where I got my, you know, got my, got my hairline from that I hide now. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, I, I learned a lot in this, in this industry and the relativity of home service industries, marketing, all that type of stuff. So I'm very thankful for the power washing, the exterior cleaning industries. I still have dear friend, Jonathan, me and you met through yeah, this industry. Yeah, man, like, like Jonathan for years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got, I got uh friends that I've known forever. My man, Chris Lambernini's from, uh, I don't know what their company name has changed so many times. WCRA, I think still some <laughs> version of it. I've known Chris now for fuck 13 years. Mm -hmm. Still talk to him on a regular basis. A lot of just the guys, the, the now, I remember being a young buck, 25 in the power washing space. Like, who are all these fucking old guys? And now I'm just yeah. like, yeah. Now, you're one of the old guys now. Yeah, yeah. you're one of the yeah, old guys, yeah. man, in that sense, sure. right? So that's sure. the line share of maintenance. Tell us about dope marketing now, because you started another company. So, so yeah. what does dope marketing do? 
So what I learned through my cleaning company is that like, you know, we got to focus on what we're good at. And my, what I was good at was not being a manager, cleaning windows, doing that type of shit. I'm good with like the marketing, the data, and specifically like the direct mail was where we focused. So I have a big background in marketing, digital, traditional, all that. But my company, Dope Marketing, all we do is automated direct mail with no minimum order from your CRM. We have a bunch of different playbooks you can follow. So like a neighborhood reactivation playbook, a property manager playbook, a first year in Christmas light playbook, where it basically just takes like what we offer on an a la carte menu and helps you giving a path to like executing towards that with the focus being data, direct mail, and then complementing some of your other marketing efforts. But our company at Dope, all we do, we, we, we will not, I can I tell you more what we won't do than what we will. TikTok, LinkedIn. Facebook ads, Instagram, website, Google, what a, we don't do any of that. None of it at all. We never will. Mm-hmm. We focus on uh, direct mail and print. We, we wrote a piece of software that automates direct mail. And then we started buying up print shops. So there are other businesses that send mail and do that. The UPS store, got print, postcard, wherever, like all people send mail. We built the software. We own our print shop, and we really focus on that direct mail with no minimum order. That's what we do at Dope Marketing. No, exactly, man. You got to be niched down, right? Like that's all we call marketing pros. We have all that. And I remember, man, we talked like this was like two, three years ago because I know that I go to you sometimes <laughs> for certain things. And I know even before this, we were talking about Facebook, right? <laughs> but I know that you in the past had actually. Cause I know you talked about all the things you don't do and why that's so important. I tell people whether that's in pressure washing, whether that's in our marketing agency and the things that we do, I know that you said, and I, cause I know there's going to be some marketing guys are going to be listening to this as Absolutely. well on top of pressure washing businesses. And yeah. so the big thing about that too, is why don't you do those other things? Cause I know that you used to run like a Facebook ads kind of uh, agency, yeah. right? So, <laughs> so that probably yeah. got you a little jaded, not jaded, I should say, but it probably allowed you to know what you want to focus on, know, you know, what's going to really move the needle and know what you're good at, know what you're passionate about and know what you can become expert level in that nobody else can kind of replicate. So I use a line, I've been saying this for, for years and it applies mm-hmm. here. <clears throat> Jonathan, you got a hundred problems during the day. I just solved four of them perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like I want, I want to, with all the businesses that I've ever owned, any of the consulting I do, any of that stuff, you got to focus on what you're good at and become an expert of it. It's easy to get distracted as an entrepreneur, as a new business owner, you see some success and you see that you could do some shit over here. And it's just like, you know, I used to, I used to bucket this stuff so hard Well, I'd be like, man, I can multitask. I can do everything. I can, you know, there's this many hours in the day, 1440 minutes in the day. I can spend them better <laughs> telling you guys like the focus, the focus is where the success is, the consistency, the discipline of just doing the same thing, seeing a result. I say like an entrepreneur has five fingers on their hand for a reason, four things that are working and one thing that can always be disposed or rotated back on. So the idea is like, whether it's in your power washing business, your agency, your restaurant, your doesn't matter, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If you simply stay focused on what you're good at, what you're doing well, mm-hmm. it's not about figuring out the next thing. That's not going to bring more success or more happiness or more foundational security. None of it. Focusing on what you're good at and figuring out how to solve more people with those minimal things. That's for mm-hmm. me. Um, that's where I try to spend a lot of our team's time is, is that, that for the discipline. Yeah, <laughs> no. And I agree with you totally, man. I agree with you totally. I know I've had that. And still to this day, man, there's a lot of things that I kind of juggle and I, and I know that 
it takes away sometimes for the growth that I can have for my own pressure washing marketing agency, because I know for myself, I'm like, oh, well, this junk, this junk removal guy wants me to like run his Google ads, which we're really good at that too, right? We're, we're really good at running Google ads for a lot of different kind of businesses, but you're right. Just kind of doubling down and focusing on what you're really good at. So a lot of people probably already know, as you've mentioned, you've been running a million dollar exterior cleaning company for the past, what, like six years? You know, and that, or it's been a million. Well, you've been running it for the past 13, but it's been 13, but we did seven figures. Yeah, we've been doing seven figures for like about six years. Yeah, for the past six years. So, what do you think attributed most to your, you know, to the growth for line share maintenance? And that could be in yourself as a business owner. That could be, you know, the, you know, whatever it may be, what attributed most to the growth of line share maintenance? It didn't have to be marketing. Getting out of my own fucking way. Okay. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll elaborate. Um, sorry for those of you. I, I swear a little bit. No, man. Um, look, man. Like, this is this is fine. I, I mean, I swear on my. I swear all the time. My thing is like when I realized that I am good at a couple things, and I'm really, really bad at a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And the the growth of a company is based on having the right people doing the right jobs, and so. I tell everyone, like, instead of buying that new truck or that new shiny piece of equipment, because you just did one job that required it or whatever. And now you're like, oh, shit, I bought this equipment and I'm not busy. And I'm having someone answer your phones for you, having uh, someone managing your jobs or communicating with your customers, like business owners wear different hats, right? Like we do different shit. And the idea is if you're a technician and you're, you're focused, like you grew up in the industry, you learned this, you've been doing this forever, or you just really enjoy it. Let's say like, I just like going out and washing houses and cleaning gutters and doing, there's nothing wrong with that. That's amazing. If you can focus in your business on what you're good at and go out of your way to hire people for, to do these other jobs. And that could be employees, that could be helpers, that could be your bookkeeper. Make a list of the things that you're doing. One, one exercise that I always try to give to people is like 1440. How many minutes you have during the day? You got to sleep. You got to eat. You got to shit. You got to spend time with your kids. So that's going to take away a bunch of those minutes. These ones you have that you're focused on your business, especially if you're new, like you're all excited and shit. You're working 8, 10, 12, 15, 20 hours, whatever it is. Take some of those minutes and make a list of the things that you do. Even if that's just like a daily summary of like, this is what I did today. I had to go put gas in the trucks. I had to change out the rubbers on the squeegee blades when I got in because my helper forgot to do it. I had to return four phone calls. We had a customer service complaint that stressed me out in a one-star Google review that I responded to. Um, I went out and I washed two houses, but then I remembered we had to change a tire out. So in between, I did that. Like, Make a list of the shit you do starting today for the next week, two weeks, four weeks. Look at that list. That will tell you who you need to hire. And then like people, people get really concerned, especially with seasonal businesses. And I've been there before too, where it's like, I can't hire. I'm scared. I won't be able to pay people. I won't be able to. The best pressure you can put on yourself is the pressure that forces you to grow. So if you can look and say, I'm going to hire this person. I know we're only going to work for four months. I don't know quite how I'm going to afford them. Make enough fucking money in the next four months to float them through the winter, to get your shop together, to prepare for the spring. Because I'm telling you, the person you hire in the spring, when you think you have money, I promise you're going to be fucking broke if you're not working over the winter. So you're not going to have some magical money in the spring. But when you get there, the time that you could invest this fall, instead of acting like some new employee is not going to cause more problems and get busy in the spring, 
you got to remember your business is an investment. You went and started this thing. So the fear part, you got to live in that fear of what's going to happen and use that as motivation. I And my second year of Lion Share Maintenance, I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah, of course. Second year in Lion Share Maintenance, I bought a van. I, I had I had a truck I traded. I had had a car before I traded in for a truck. We get through the first year and I'm like, oh shit, we're growing. I've had to rent a truck and get some other equipment and we're going fast and whatever. You could be here in year one, two, three, four, ten, doesn't matter. But I'm like, fuck, we need another vehicle. I found a deal on this van. I don't know how I can afford it. The van was like 400 a month and the insurance was like 350 a month on the van. And I couldn't fucking afford that. It was $750 a month. I did not have accounted for. I couldn't do it. I fucking drove courier service over a whole winter in Minneapolis in the fucking van Breaking even. If anyone's ever drove courier before, that is not a good <laughs> fucking existence. You're paying for your own grass. You're a 1099. You're picking shit up. You're getting lost. You're doing paperwork. You're trying to like get it figured out. And it takes a couple months to get it figured out. I just had a couple months in the off season. So I like tried it, realized it was breaking my fucking neck. Wasn't making any money. Mm -hmm. But I was in this mental place where I'm like, I'm not worried about this right now. I'm young. I can spend my time. I can get this done because I know where this company is going. So I'll put this work in to get this shit. And I'm not trying to do like, a, hey, you just have to go out and make bad decisions like I did and get a vehicle that you can't afford to go out and yeah. do some shit to not be at home during the winter. But what allowed me to grow to where I'm at in my cleaning company was understanding that I signed up for the fear, for the doubt, for the reservations. And that like, it's my job to learn how to deal with that shit, whether that's through personal development, through coaching, through mentoring. Guys, you're fucking spoiled in the pressure washing space for these coaching programs and these different like yeah. people that are out there to help you. That doesn't exist, guys. I promise in dope marketing, we're working like a hundred different fucking verticals. Power washing is a very small industry when you look at some of the other home service spaces. Yeah. And like, dude, the amount of like that conquer program, people like Jonathan, different coaches, resource. There's huge fucking industries that don't have a, like big programs like this. Like I know so many of those coaches over in conquer and some of these other people where it's just like, I'm not saying just go look at that, but understand the resources you have from people that's gone through your journey. Cause it's power washing shit is hard. That's why you see people adding other services, other, you know, things to their business to kind of piece it all together. I know we did, we couldn't have got by, just doing power washing, but that to answer your question in less words than I have, Jonathan, the way that we got to where we're at or the thing I could identify was embrace that fear and that doubt and use that shit as motivation. Unless you plan on closing your business next year, then <laughs> fuck it. Just stack all the acorns and act like you got to do that. But if you're trying to grow, but if you're trying to grow, you should be spending anywhere from like eight to 18% of your gross revenue on marketing. That's for, you know, we'll get into marketing with two marketing guys on the conversation, but definitely will. If, if, definitely. If, if, if look, if you want to grow, then fucking put yourself in a scary situation. If you want to stay exactly where you're at right now, just do what you're doing and you'll stay there. I promise. But if you want to grow, you got to find a place of that comfortable fear. And some people are more or less aggressive, but finding a place to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and then kind of living there, that's what will force growth. You have my word. Okay. No, man, I... I definitely agree when it comes to that and a lot of the resources, because as you know, uh, shout, shout out to Count Junkie, as you know, I'm one of the part owners of that. So Amazing company. Like, yeah. So I see kind of like how it is in the junk removal industry. You have one guy like Lee Gobble, I think. And that's about it for when it comes to, you know, what you can learn and resources that you have for junk removal. And I think that, man, me and you, I think it was at a convention, man, like two or three years ago. I don't know if you remember telling me this, but I remember it always stuck with me. Because I always tell a lot of guys this now, 
right? Because you always said, and this is what I always think. I think that, because you said about being spoiled, right? Because think about it, in the pressure washing industry, and tell me if I'm wrong, Dave. Tell me if I'm wrong, because I haven't gone out there and I haven't pressure washed myself, haven't done any of that. But it's probably one of the easiest home service businesses to get into, right? Like Barrier of entry is very, yeah. very low. Yeah. And the very low. And the profit margins are very high. And look, guys, appreciate technicians, but washing a house is not that fucking hard. <laughs> no, and, and that's it's not. I've done, I've done it personally fucking <laughs> hundreds of times. Like, you, per, pretty much everyone can do this. Yeah, and so it has a low barrier of entry. But one thing that you said that was profound that I was kind of thinking about, because I work with some mega like pressure washing businesses. I won't name them right now, but they do like five to 10 million. You know what I mean? Like a year. And you'll never see these guys in groups. You'll never see these guys go out to conventions or whatever it may be. But also at the same time, what I realized going out, because I'll fly to, I've flown to some of these clients and just seen some of their stuff. And I think it's one of the hardest businesses to scale. And so that's why it's like one of those things when you talked about in the sense of living in that fear, living in that, like I said, like, I don't know, like seasonality, right? Because there's seasonality. And I see a lot of guys have that kind of pressure put upon them. And I think that what you said, you know, you hit it on the head when you said like, you have to live in that, You like, you're not going to be comfortable. And a lot of guys want to be comfortable. But you know, for junk removal, for example, right? The barrier of entry was very hard to get into that. Like we had to spend a lot of money. We had to do all of that. The the trailers, the trucks, the dumpsters, yeah. the stuff. Like there's exactly. high overhead. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. The barrier of entry was very hard. But I and you know I'm gonna get here. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna like get I'm gonna get some people's wheels turning. Like, I'm gonna start a junk removal business now. <laughs> but but at the same time, I look at it and I say on the back end of that, it was very difficult or it wasn't that difficult to scale it and hire people because it's like yo bro pick up this fucking refrigerator. You know what I mean? Or pick up this, pick up this, that, and the other. And so I feel like for a lot of guys in the pressure washing industry, like you said, they'll wait until, you know, the springtime when they're the most busiest to try to hire somebody because they're like, I know money's going to come in. That employee's messing up now. That employee's doing that. They're going back with that employee and they just end up firing the guy and doing it themselves. And they just keep going that hamster wheel. Would you agree with that? 100%. You know? 100%. So, you got to, I mean, it's again, it's where I started was like, get out of your own way. You got to understand that to scale, it's going to take more than you. So you got to remove yourself and understand that you're in a business of unsolvable problems. Mm -hmm. The pressure washing line is going to break. The truck is going to get fucked up. Karen is going to be mad that you, someone looked at her cat wrong. Like all of it's going to go bad and you can't prepare for it, but you have to have systems and processes in place to deal with that stuff. And being a, you know, dude, there's nothing wrong with running a business, making 50 to 150 grand in sales a year and having a helper and you pocket a lot of it. Dude, like that's a great living, a lot better than yeah. maybe having a fucking job. Now for some people that maybe want to scale or want more than that, which there's nothing wrong with that either. You got to figure out how to remove yourself from the business because if you really want to run a business, like I pay myself $90,000 a year from my power washing company. And I haven't been there in three years. That to me is like, to, you know, like I had to sit back and define my version of success with that business. And that was it. Could I take a buck 20? Sure. But that would, that would weigh on the, I'd rather the company be able to spend 30,000 on something else. But I was like, what's a salary that is more than most people make in a year that I could pay myself where I've gotten my business to where it wouldn't affect it. 
But at the same time, I could get on calls like this and be like, guys, this is possible. I've been doing that for years. Like that it's, kind of like, it's kind of like it's kind of like you have like a real estate investment or whatever. Oh, it it's, that's just it is. it's better. I don't have to talk to any tenants. I don't like I am completely dude. If someone if someone uh, if a job went bad, if a customer was fucking pissed, if someone, God forbid, someone fell off a ladder or a truck got crashed. I am the last one to know. I still might not find out. <laughs> like we had a truck breakdown. They told me like a couple weeks ago and some, I, I hear about it in passing because my wife is still somewhat involved in that business. But like, mm -hmm. I literally have no, and I'm not saying that's the definition of her success of anyone either. Like if I, I, I have some aspirations and I started some, some other companies that like just is really truly where my passion is. I love the home service space. I think it's a great, a great mm -hmm. business model. And I think that identifying kind of what you want for your business and then starting to make decisions around that, not the reactivity of like, oh shit, we don't have any jobs on the calendar next week. What are we going to do? It's like, you have to solve that problem. No one's saying you can just overlook the fact that like you, your family, everyone depends on this business, but there's another side of it where it's like, you got to set up and realize like, I'm going to set a plan and goals where I'm going to do this for this long to get to here. Cause this is what I want over here. Goal setting is not something I was huge on ever in my life, but it, it's pretty fucking simple. You set a goal, you take the steps backwards, look what you would have to do. And then you overextend because no employee is going to ever do more than 60% of what you would do as the owner fucking ever. I don't care what it is, what you say, if it's your family or anyone, your wife, maybe, and I'm one of the, I'm one of the few that like, I've always had my wife in my businesses. We've had that make that work. And it's a fucking cheat code. It's not fair. I have gotten further in life because of that. Does it create a little stress at home sometimes? Yes. Do we bicker about shit? Sure. But we do a very good job of separating business and family. Now that aside, what I'm getting at is you got to realize when you hire someone, doesn't matter how good your systems are, how good your communication is, how fucking much you think they love, whatever. Don't give anyone ownership of your company because they didn't start it. They're not going to fucking do anything that they would go do that themselves if that mattered to them. Second part is you can't expect anyone to do 60% more than what you would do. And if you get someone more than that, fucking adopt them, get them into your family and your life and sit down with them and ask them what their goals are and how you can give them all of that for the rest of their life. Cause you have people that are not entrepreneurs that are not business owners that don't want the stress of that shit, but they will break their fucking back and work hard and be loyal and follow your core values and go through all this stuff. So the biggest part of understanding, like the way I got to, I set a goal. Um, it was like seven years ago. I was like, I'm going to get out of this company. And I didn't start off paying myself $90,000 a year right away. Yeah, we doing nothing in the company that like scaled up. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I want to pay myself 50 grand a year and not do anything. And it took like a year after planning that out of even figuring out how to get there because how involved I was in the business. But if I went back, I could do it faster now. Like now that I know what I know. And the thing is, guys, you got to remember this shit. You know, people, there are people in the world Sounds like Jonathan's flying out to see him that will do more than you will ever do in your life, in the industry you're in right now. And that's okay. Life is not about comparison. Life is not about like, oh, this guy did this. So I have to do it because it's possible. No, understand and figure out what you want and why you're doing it. And I know that sounds so simple. It could be as simple as your kids. You want to have more time. You want to do whatever. Understand why you started your business and then set some goals about like, what would a win be? What would the greatest thing be if I had my business and I could do this? I could have full coverage insurance and make 60K a year. All my bills are paid and I got a couple grand in the bank at the end of the year. If that's your first goal, set that shit, walk it out backwards and see like, what would you have to do? 
Who would you have to hire? Now, if you figure out you like, okay, I got to add this many more jobs. I got to do this much more revenue. Great. Who do you got to hire? Awesome. What do you got to spend to fill that calendar? Great. It might take two years to execute the goal, but at the end of it, what I see in the pressure washing industry, I know you have people like me in their, you know, later thirties, forties, fifties. But what I'm talking to right now is, is in the teens, twenties, early thirties, like, dude, just don't fucking underestimate. Like people overestimate what they'll do in a year and underestimate what they can do in five years. That is the, some of the realest shit I've ever heard in my life. Because like a year goes by quick guys. It's fucking about to be October <laughs> right now. It's about to be October. It doesn't feel like it. it feels like February. It's going to happen every year. But when you set out and you say, I'm going to wrap up this, year, I, I still love seeing those fucking posts of guys like, man, I remember I was trying to do 10 K a month and now I'm doing my, I'm going to October with a hundred K scheduled. Like I, I remember yeah, yeah. feeling dude, I remember yeah. that and it's beautiful. And it's just like, you gotta understand that's going to happen once or twice a year now. And your, your last June should be your next October. If you look at a seasonal business. So it's possible to do anything you want to do in your life through owning a power washing business. Like it really fucking is. You just got to step back and look at those goals and set them right. No. And you, you know what, like just to piggyback off of everything you said, cause everything you said is 110% correct. Just from my experience. And like, as you know, a lot of clients will come to us about there's certain, you know, sometimes you become like, and you know, this too, owning a marketing company, sometimes you become a counselor, you know what I mean? They, right up. You know, yeah. they tell you all their problems. They tell you everything that's going on in that sense. And so, I know even for me, like I said, you hit it on the head when you said you have to just know what your goals and what your values are. And I know for some guys, it's not a game of comparison. Like you said, the only person you're comparing yourself to is yourself. Right? You, exactly. Is yourself. And so when I tell some guys, I say, they say like, hey, Jonathan, I want to do, I want to get my company to, you know, let's just say 60,000 a month. Right. And they're at like 35, 30. And I, you know who you are if you're watching this. But then I say, do you really want to do you really want to get your company to 60,000, right? A month because it's going to require you do something different. It's going to require something different of you in order to get there. And yeah. so you have to make a certain type of sacrifice or whatever it is in order to get there. And it looks like you're not willing to make that sacrifice right now. So, you know, it yeah, and at first he got a little mad at me at first, you know, but then he called me a week later and he was just like, "Look, man, you were actually right about that." He's like, I know what I want. I, I feel like I have a weight lifted off my shoulder because you know what? I want to spend more time with my kids. I have a newborn, you know, I am 40 years old and you know, all this stuff. And I've neglected my family this long and I don't want to do that anymore. And I said, well, look, now you can operate your employees now, like all of that, like you can operate within a realm where it's like, you're not coming in all mad and all of that because you're comparing yourself to somebody else. So yeah, exactly, man. I agree with you a wholeheartedly on that. So now you got two marketing guys, like you said on here. So what is the biggest struggle pressure washing businesses have with marketing and attracting new customers in your own opinion? Because I, as I said, you're the, you're the million dollar, you know, serial cleaning company that you have. Going, so going, going too widespread. So widespread. data tells a story. My, my company is named dope marketing. Not because I say dope 12 times in every sentence. Cause I'm guilty of that. It's data on previous engagement. Any of my military guys dope for your scope. That's the, that's the con. I, it's not why I named the business that, but my military buddy two years later told me that Eric Wynn shout out always. Cause he's the one that kind of got me together, but it makes so much sense. So look, here's the deal. I'm gonna give you a very simple exercise of how to solve the problem. Jonathan just said here, drop a little gem. It's this simple. Whether you're using 
House Call Pro, Customer Factor, Marquette, whatever CRM flavor of the month that you are using in your business. Um, here's what you need to do. <clears throat> this will help you get in front of the right customer. Want to make sure I'm answering the question right, Jonathan? Say the question again. Yes, yes. So what is the biggest struggle pressure washing businesses have with marketing and attracting new customers? Not focusing on the right neighborhoods. So I'm going to tell you right now how to focus on the right neighborhoods. Stop wasting your time and your marketing dollars, no matter where you're at in your business right now. This is how you do it. Go into your CRM, download a CSV file. It's a spreadsheet. It doesn't matter. XLS, CSV. It's got a bunch of different fucking names. Download one of them. Put that in a spreadsheet of every job you've done over the past year to three years, depending on how long you've been in business. Mm -hmm. One location, geographically located. So my office has been in the same spot for multiple years. But take your data, past year at least. If you're a new business, do all of it. If you've been in business for a couple of years, one to three years. You're going to download this data in a spreadsheet. You're going to highlight the whole thing. There's a little half triangle diamond in Excel on the corner. It's going to mm -hmm. highlight the whole spreadsheet. You're going to click on data. You're going to click on sort. You're going to sort that list by zip code of the jobs where you have performed work in your business. Everyone remember third grade? We all went through third grade, right? At least I, don't, I went to nine high schools. So I did a couple more education than most, but we all were in third grade. Remember third grade math, mean, median, mode. What you're going to do is you're going to take those zip codes. You're going to sort them. They're going to be in order and you're going to count how many jobs you did in a specific zip code. You're going to have your top three zip codes where you did the most jobs going into next year. That is where you're going to focus all of your attention, all of your marketing dollars, all of your door hangers, flyers, Facebook ads, spend all of that. That is the most consistent thing you can do in your business because home service business owners, power washers specifically think that you got to do this widespread all over town. I need to be big. Everyone needs to know me guys. Fuck that. You need to focus on where the data in your business tells you to focus. You are bigger in certain neighborhoods and areas than others. So instead of trying to go break into new areas, you need to focus on where you're doing good. That is number one, your customers. You are so fortunate to be in an industry that people don't just need you one time a year or one time every couple of years. You do power washing, concrete cleaning, rust removal, hard water restoration, gutter cleaning, window cleaning, Christmas lights, uh, stucco versus vinyl, snow removal. washing. Yeah. You got all this snow removal. You got all this different shit you do. And God forbid you offer some other shit like, hey, while we're up on the thing, we'll change out light bulbs or we'll remove that clean. thing from your thing. Like, there's just so many different fucking things you can do in this industry to where like everyone looks at cost per lead. Jonathan, how many leads did you generate me last month? How much <laughs> did I pay you? What was my cost per rate? What's my ROI? Great, guys, you know what's fucking awesome? Stop saying ROI when you can't spell it, when you don't understand what it truly is. Because the <laughs> ROI on a customer means... I generated a lead for this much. What's the life? Anytime you ask a vendor, what's my ROI? You should be able to answer the question. What is the lifetime value of your customer? What is your average ticket? How long does a customer stay with you? How many services do you provide them? Because that one lead for a power washing business, you're not a roofer. A roofer will pay like 300 to $3,000 for a lead when it's all said and done because they're going to be there roofing, solar, HVAC system installation. 
They're doing that shit one time in 10 to 20 years mm -hmm. and they will pay hundreds to thousands of dollars. Power washing leads can range. You guys have all ran boosted posts yourself or hired people like Jonathan or some of the other people that run marketing agencies in the power washing space. You all know that a lead can be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 200, 250, 300, 400, 450. Everyone watching this is guilty of boosting a post for a couple hundred bucks, not generating one lead and your cost per lead is exactly what you boosted that post for, but you didn't get anything <laughs> for it. The idea is that when you understand that, it is the marketing agencies, your internal marketing. Maybe you do your own ads. It's your job to generate the leads. It's another thing to get a close rate. We all know. And if you don't know, if your close rate is above 70%, you need to fucking raise your prices. That's it. Unless you don't want to grow, that's fine. But if you want to grow and your close rate is over 70%, you have to raise your prices. Now you're marketing, you're doing sales, you're closing. But it's also your job to make sure that you're getting every dollar out of that customer a customer at Lion Share Maintenance is worth on average $1,700 a year to us because all the services we provide to them. And you should be looking at getting that number up as much as possible because mm -hmm. we started really focusing on like higher end areas. Our data showed us because I market our business in specific areas that these private neighborhoods and areas around our city, anyone in the Twin Cities will know, Bear Path, North Oaks, Spots in Eden Prairie, Minnetonka, all of these high end places that we're working that's where we focus because we can increase our average ticket so I don't have to spend as much on marketing. I just focus on the same 1,000 people here, 1,200 people here, this neighborhood here. That's where we're spending all our time. The other shit comes in. We rank on Google. We got, remember, five fingers. I'm doing other shit, but mm -hmm. where I'm focused is in the areas where I know I can spend less time and make more money, I spend more money there so I don't have to hire people for more time because our average ticket there is much higher now gutter cleaning season we'll do some different shit and make some money in some places mm -hmm. but understand the roi is determined by the lifetime value of the customer the mistake the power washing companies make is that they don't understand the lifetime value of their customer if you have a database and you're not hitting them once a month with text email smoke signal direct mail facebook and staying on top of them because you do other shit they need and that is very uncommon for businesses where someone could literally like get their house washed not realize you did roof cleaning you could follow up with them they see their neighbor do it get their gutters clean get their windows washed get their driveway done get all the pavers sealed all this different shit it is your job to be constantly educating your customer. So staying on top of that education is something that i think falls to the wayside a lot that anyone watching this should take that gem from Tell everyone what you do all the time because they don't know. Even if you told them once, you need to tell them every fucking month. Hey, man, you know what? I'm glad you said that because like, as you know, this is going on YouTube. And so literally my video that I had just before this said, stop worrying about cost per lead, you know, because like I said, there's, you know, and I have a video coming out, you know, this, this upcoming week about, like I said, I lost a client that I made a three, four X ROI. Like he put in 10,000, we made him $40,000, but he said it wasn't his most profitable source. And I said, dude, you got a three, four X. Why would you turn this down? Where's that vending machine? You got a vending machine. I can put a dollar in four. We're going to spit out. Why would I ever leave? Oh, yeah. no, that's better over here. It's like, give me yeah. A cause profit. it just wants, you know, cause they said better profit margins. But I said this, I said, you hit it on the head when you talk about the lifetime value of a customer and how much you can extract out of that person. Because the real, if you if you want to talk about the single individual number, what it costs to like for that customer, at least look at a cost to acquire a customer at the very least. You know what I mean? At least look at that. Don't look at cost per lead. Look at the cost that it actually took to acquire. Because I can get 25 
dollar leads all day, right? I get 10, $25 leads. You know what I mean? And or one of them responds, two of them respond, yeah. and then you do. Yeah, that's 250 bucks, right? And another guy could get 10 leads as well, 50 bucks, right? That's 500. This guy got 10 $25 leads. This guy got 10 $50 leads, right? The guy that had $50 leads could have closed five of those leads. You know what I mean? Right? He, he could have easily closed five of those leads. So he got five jobs from that. So his cost to acquire a customer was $100. This other guy got $25 leads and he got 10. Let's say he only closed one. He had to spend $250 to acquire one customer. So that's when the cost per lead does not matter, you know? And so you hit it on the head with that. So I'm glad you said that because I've always, I've always said the same thing. And what a lot of people don't know is that I could bring them, like even our agency or even for you, like with direct mail and what you do, which we're going to get into in a minute with the biggest struggle of direct mail. But, you know, whenever you're doing this, people don't look at like, okay, you acquired Miss Nancy, but you don't know if Miss Nancy referred you to three or four other people. And you don't know if Miss Nancy is going to be a customer for the next four to five years. Exactly. So in that sense, you have that. So the biggest, so obviously let's, let's move over to the dope marketing side, right? And, you know, your print marketing and all of that. What's the biggest struggle um, with direct? So this will be a two-part question. What is the biggest struggle with direct mail that not only pressure washing businesses have, but businesses in general, because I know they all have the same one, home services, and how should these businesses be utilizing direct mail? So the biggest struggle when it comes to these businesses using direct mail and how they're doing it wrong, and then what they should be doing to utilize direct mail in the right way or print marketing in general the right way. Direct mail is very different than it was even five years ago. Um, the, the strategy with direct mail is you should be sending postcards to a neighborhood. Uh, you should have a neighborhood defined that is getting a postcard every week from your business because you're focused on that business. Second, uh, the neighbors of your jobs need to be educated. When you think about like online lookalike audiences, stuff like that, there's so many different studies around uh, how when you, uh, Harvard Business School did a study, seven to 11 touches is what it takes for a consumer to remember a brand, but a touch has a value. So a Facebook ad versus a billboard versus seeing a truck versus seeing the t-shirt at the gas station versus a door hanger versus a postcard, touches have different values. And so the idea is that when you focus on the neighbors of a job you just did, that neighbor, think about a lookalike, if anyone knows what like a lookalike audience is on Facebook, you can take like your customer list and upload it to Facebook and show people ads that are just like your customers based off what they do on the internet. That's what a lookalike audience is. Well, a true lookalike audience is advertising to the neighborhood of your current customers because they, let's say Dave and Jonathan live in the same neighborhood. Is it fair to say we are probably around the same age? We might have kids or not have kids around the same age. Our house was built around the same year with the same materials. It costs the same amount of money. And humans are predictable creatures that like to do things that are comfortable. So it's fair to say, if you look at your journey in life, as you were 18, 21, 25, 30, 40, whatever, think of your neighbors in your life journey. Were your neighbors somewhat like you because they lived a similar lifestyle? The answer is probably yes. So using direct mail to advertise to the neighbors of your jobs is essential. Direct mail, um, a lot of people in like the home service cleaning space know like what EDDM is, every door direct mail. That's very different than sending mail to a list or sending targeted mail based off triggers in your CRM and stuff like that. The idea is that there's a strategy for every business. And that strategy, strategy is that you need to define areas where you want to get more customers. 
direct mail can be used to do that, but it's not this spray and pray approach, send 10,000 cards one time and go broke and maybe break even. It's like sending targeted mail of a couple hundred pieces to the same neighborhood once a week or getting a list of people that move into your service area and bought a house there once a month and making sure they get a postcard every month for 12 months. Having a list of property managers or hotels or churches that are getting a postcard or a piece of mail every other week. But these smaller lists, that's what we focus on at Dope. It's like direct mail is fucking hard. You need to get a list. You need to clean your list. You need to deal with a designer. You need to jump through those hoops, whether it's Fiverr or your fucking niece's wife or something, whatever, like designing is hard. Lists are hard. Now you go to the print shop, the mail house, setting up the tracking, like you're running a fucking business. You don't have time to do all this stuff. It can take two, four, six weeks. We created dope marketing because we do that in 20, 40, 60 seconds. Like that's our job. That's what we do. Remember your four problems. We just solved four of them perfectly. Data design, direct mail automation. That's what we focus on. And we bought a print shop so we don't have to rely on other people. Like I said, there's plenty of direct mail softwares that people have heard of, are using, haven't heard of, whatever, where it's like they don't own the print shop, the quality control, the paper use, the turnover time, the tracking. That's very important to us. So people in the home service space need to be thinking about direct mail differently. The reason I created Dope Marketing is to help and assist in doing that. Okay, then yeah. And so like I said, for all you out there, um, in that sense, we use we use Dave's um automation stuff, like I said, for for our junk removal business. In that sense, every time somebody like completes a job with that, we're sending them postcards or doing all that. Because like you said, yeah, it increases brand awareness not only with that, but like I said, you're targeting people intentionally. You're not and like you said, it's not a spray, it's not a like a spray approach to it, right? Right. You know? you know, when it comes to that. So yeah, you're, you're definitely right about that. You definitely want to get into an area to where you're most liked. You want to get an area that you're most known, just like you were talking about sorting the zip codes where you work a lot. People are going to see your trucks. People are going to see your branding. And if you're hitting the neighbors, I can say, hey, me and you were neighbors, man. I can say, hey, Dave, like, you know, who who were those guys I went ahead and like, we're, we're cleaning your roof, dude. Who, who was that? I need that. And you're like, hey, man, it was so-and-so. You see their postcard and your you know, and your mail, all of that stuff, man. So like you said, those we're going to have the same and even just the neighbors, like, you know, the same behavior, you're still going to, I'm still probably going to ask you, right. If, if there's something with my home, I'm probably going to go to you be, and be like, who do you use, man? So when you talk about the zip codes, you talk about hitting the neighbors with all that. Yeah. You're 110% right about that. So you, so like I said, what I want to talk about too is, you know, is how can dope marketing help with that for people. And you kind of already elaborated on that. You know, like I said, yeah, we don't need to go into like a sales pitch for dope or anything. <laughs> yeah, guys, no. like, look, we know some shit that's proven in the industry that we can help with. If you've used us before, had a good experience, maybe you didn't have the greatest experience. We're like, you guys are growing company. Mm -hmm. We would love at dope the opportunity to show you some strategy. We have different playbooks in our business. So we can do like the new home buyer playbook, the property manager playbook, the neighborhood reactivation playbook. We're like, you give us your last 10 jobs. We pull the 25 neighbors, of your last 10 jobs. We send them one postcard a week for four weeks. It's like guaranteed ROI, our favorite term of the yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we can do all this shit, guys. And I don't want to go on a sales pitch. Look us up, hit us up. Dope marketing. Mm -hmm. We're not hard to find. You can get with our team and we can set up some shit that'll work for your business. Yes. And so one thing, yeah, so that's, that's awesome. So tell it, so, you know, to, to kind of conclude this stuff, cause we're, I know we're coming towards the end with some of this stuff, but there's two more things that uh, well, just one more thing I want to talk about in terms of dope marketing in that sense. And then 
any final thoughts that you may have for marketing and mindset? Because I know, like I said, you've been running, man. You've been, you've been, you have the iron mind now. You've been sharpening your tools as a business owner. Absolutely. But tell the importance, because I tell people this when I when I talk to them, tell them the importance of like the new home buyers list that you guys also have too when it comes Absolutely. to that. Because I wanted to talk about that too. Because there's certain industries where that doesn't necessarily matter. Like, like the junk removal, like we talked about. Like if you just moved in, you don't necessarily need a new Yeah, you don't need junk. And yeah. the only junk removal you might need is like if somebody has all these boxes and all that. But Maybe. You, yeah, maybe in that sense, you're right. Like maybe a dumpster rental, you know, dumpster rental where they have that, like where they want the dumpster. That could be. But for exterior cleaning, a new home buyers list, if you're getting that, like that's- I'll rattle, I'll rattle some stats off. So here's the deal, guys. There's 85 million homeowners in the United States out of the 300 something million people, over a third of them own their home. Um, in that third, uh, there's some fascinating statistics. 10 to 30,000 people move buy a home every day in the United States. If Jonathan lives at 123 Main Street and Dave moves next door to 125 Main Street, Dave and his family are gonna spend eight to $15,000 in cash within 60 days of moving on a new pressure washer, a new handyman, a new mechanic, a new dentist, a new lawn care, a new restaurant. They're buying, they're swiping. So they're primed. They need your services. We talked about lifetime value of a customer. The average American lives in their house for five to eight years. So if you invest in getting in front of new home buyers right when they move in and your average ticket is $800 a year, you are guaranteeing that spending a buck a postcard once a month, every month on every new home buyer that moves into your service area, that you would be gaining a customer that you would reap the benefits of for years and years and years to come. These people are primed. They're looking for your services. They don't know who the fuck you are because they just moved. So you can get in front of them with a new home buyer list. And that is something I will shamelessly plug because we can do that for you. I'm dope marketing. Yeah. New home buyers sent out every single week. You just give us your service area. We pull a list of the past year because like I'm in I'm in Minnesota, guys, in Minneapolis. Fair to say that less people move in January than June. Yeah. I can't control that shit. I just I'm just the guy with the list. Yeah. So the idea is Jonathan comes and says, I'm Jonathan's pressure washing in Atlanta, Georgia. I need these 10 zip codes. Mm -hmm. We pull the last year and then we divide that by 12 and give you an average of like there's 537 people a month on average that move in. Here's your budget. You can say. I want to start here and just do this many and then we can work up. This stuff is super trackable, super obtainable and it fucking works. I mean, that's, that's mm -hmm. new home buyers are powerful. And if you're not doing this in your power washing business, you're crazy because it works. Yeah. So I, and like I said, I at least wanted you to plug that because I know that's something that a lot of people don't know and that they're not aware of. Like I know the automation stuff and all of that, but they're not aware of that. So in closing, man, like that, cause I know before this, we were kind of talking about, like I said, you've been running, man. You know, I've, I see you out here cutting out yeah. the alcohol, all of that stuff, man. Just tell me about that journey. Tell me about, you know, um, I saw your Facebook post too. And I, you know, I want to talk about that because I will say this for pressure washing businesses, when it comes to customer service, it comes to all of that too, you know, in any kind of business, I want you to talk about that. And, uh, you know, all of that. So there's, there's, a, there's a book I want to share for any of the readers. I know this will probably come across wrong in the, if we're watching, but it's called The Gap and the Gain. My, my dear friend, Tommy Mello, recommended this book to me. Dude, this is like recently, like a week or two ago. And I've, just, I've been like fucking re-listening to chapters before I get further in the book. That's how much this book is impacting me. So when you look at like, for me, my story, um, guys, for years, like I 
I still am, but I was more embodying with my lifestyle, being a fucking wild man. Like anyone who's known me, met me over the years, like I said, some people watching this have been in the industry as long as me and we've hung out at trade shows and shit. I was like the dude you didn't want to introduce your wife to. Like I'm fun, I'm loud, I'm whatever, but we're going out, we're getting fucked up, we're doing, you know, whatever, making great decisions at night and all that shit. And I just got to a point at the beginning of this year where it was like, you know, it wasn't just wildness all the time, dude. I'm a family man. I got four kids. I don't go out at home. I don't do that. But it was like, I was living this other lifestyle when I was traveling and going out of town. It was like, where are we going to dinner? Where are we going out? What's the thing? We're sitting at the hotel bar till one, two in the morning, or we're going out to a whatever or doing like all that shit. And I just like, you know what they say in like the treatment, the sobriety stuff when it's like getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was seeing that like, I just, I wasn't living the life that I wanted to embody or being the person that I, I was looking at someone else in the mirror who I thought I really was. And it was because of the decisions I was making. So me and my wife made a decision and we're just going to like start taking some of our bad qualities and replacing them with good qualities. So we cut out alcohol like six months ago and dude, that's not for anyone. I'm not like, it wasn't like we were drinking under the desk every day yeah. or something like that, but you got to know your limits. And for me, the big thing with drinking was, um, don't get me wrong, dude. I love a good bourbon. That's just not my shit anymore. I just don't do that. My thing was like, we got to the point where we're drinking like one or two nights a week with dinner or some shit. We get the kids down. We're staying up, having fun as adults, whatever. But it would take me like two, three days to recuperate, to get back to 100%. And I have so many people during the day that depend on me, my mood, my temperament. I'm rescheduling calls in the morning. I'm groggy. I'm not exercising. And that's just not the man I want to be. And so- Cutting out alcohol was the first part. And then uh, I cut out smoking cigarettes. Uh, we don't eat fast food anymore. Intermittent fasting. I do at least at least four miles a day running and then exercising. And that's for me. That's for mental health shit more than anything. Yeah. But it's like for me kind of just getting my shit together and go into this book that the gap and the gain because the the gap is when you're comparing yourself to other things or you have this thing in your head, you're living in this gap of like not being satisfied or feeling entitled or doing these things. The gain is when you start with being grateful. You start with thankfulness. You're like, I was here. I put up a post the other day. It was like, you guys got to remember this shit. Anyone watching this, you're much closer to where you want to be right now than when you started. Like, you got to remember that shit. No, no, you're right. You're right. Every fucking day. And so when you start there with gratitude and you say, I started this business and I was here, or I met my, my then girlfriend, my now wife, and we were there and now we're here, or I had a child and they, this was a little baby that I didn't know what the fuck to do with. And now this thing (laughs) talks to me and I'm responsible for it. And like these things that you can look at in your life, I always talk about, like, for me, it wasn't about stopping to smell the roses it was that realizing the fucking flowers are growing. We get moving so fast and going that when you invest in yourself, you know, for those of you that exercise or work out or any of that stuff, it's like, it's very easy to, uh, sorry, let me put on do not disturb. I'm gonna go a little late on this. So um, my, for those of you that already work out or exercise, you'll understand this a little bit because that doesn't need to be it guys. It could be reading. It could be stargazing it could be taking a walk it could be i don't fucking know whatever it is if you look at things where you get some time to yourself the person you got to deal with the man the woman you got to deal with is that jonathan you said earlier it's that one in the mirror and so when you get to a place of living in gratitude and thankfulness and understanding that like you are truly further along than you probably give yourself credit for during the day and approach things with that identifying the gap of being 
not satisfied, being needy, thinking that you deserve something. It could be going there. But instead of thinking here, think here. And so for me, it was, Jonathan, you brought up that post this morning. You know, yeah, it's how you treat people, like even to the point of how you talk to other people's employees or when you, you know, you, 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 what is, what did Theodore Roosevelt said? It was something along the lines of like, my wife just sent me this shit this morning, actually. I'm about to it say, it. I'm, a, I'm not, a, I'm not a history buff myself. <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt said, character is how you treat those who can do nothing for you. And a man, a woman, you got to have a code. So if you look at like, how do you treat someone you're on customer service with? How do you treat that person that cut you off on the freeway that you pulled up to next at the gas station? How do you treat the person that can't do shit for you? If you've ever found or can identify yourself, because I know I've done this shit before, being a hothead, being kind of a dick because some other shit is bothering you and then one thing set you off and you take it off on someone, that's living in the gap. When you go to a point of like, you know, humans are humans and you just got to treat people good. I wasn't in a mental space like this at the beginning of the year. But for me, as you kind of work and improve on yourself, you start to be able to take, get more blessings, which allows you to share more blessings. And so the blessing I want to share with everyone here is like, just give yourself a fucking pat on the back because you're probably doing a lot better than you thought you would when you started. And when shit gets stressed up or fucked up or you're finding the place of living in that fear or that pain of shit that you're comfortable with, just remember like why you started this stuff, what you're doing, like what your, what your focus is and fucking smell, smell the flowers. Give, give, give yourself a fucking attaboy. Take a, whatever, whatever your vice is, do a little bit of that because you probably are not giving yourself the credit you deserve. Mm -hmm. Well, look, man, those are, that is a good parting final, you know, statement, man. I really, I really do appreciate you having them on here. You marketing, talking about business, talking about lifestyle, talking about all of that. Cause like I said, I know I, you know, this year, last year, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie for myself, man. I know I, I moved here to Tampa. I know that we first met in Atlanta and I was kind of yeah. on the outskirts of Atlanta, about an hour away south. And so I was kind of in a smaller city. Came out here last year, man. You know, like I said, went out more than what I what, what I wanted to. And then I know I made a goal this year that, you know, like I said, I, I want to attain that. And so once again, man, like I said, thank you for all those words, you know. Um, Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And I hope you guys enjoy this video. Like I said, if you want to know about print marketing, you know, new home buyers list, all of that stuff, like, you know, whether you guys do door hangers, you know, whether it's yard signs, all of that stuff, hit up Dope Marketing. Like I said, you know, they can go ahead and get you guys squared away. So with that being said, you know, Thank you guys for watching and we'll see you guys in the next video. Well, at least I'll see you guys in the next video. Thank you, Dave, as well. Absolutely. Later, guys.